Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show, the remote postgame show as our AC is broken in the CHGO studios, but we will be back tomorrow as the White Sox head to Kansas City. We will be, be live for a pregame show there and then have a postgame show for you as the White Sox will take on the Royals. Today, the Sox lose 5-1 to one to the Yankees. They drop 3-4 of four to the Bronx Bombers. Nestor Cortez goes eight innings, giving up one run, looking fantastic doing it. Michael Kopech struggles to pitch six innings. And Herb, I don't know if you heard, but the Yankees and Pirates, they had a combined two hits and went 2-0 and oh today. So <laughs> that's baseball for you. That's what happens when your guys start getting wild. That's what Brett breathed life into the Pirates offense with two walks by Hunter Green in the bottom of the eighth. And that's what breathed life into the Yankees lineup with two outs, nobody on. You have walk, single, walk, walk. And that's how it happens, man. Walks are good, friends. They're really good. Just as good as hits. Maybe the White Sox should uh, learn about a little something about that. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. The White Sox did not walk today. They lose five to one. They had four hits, scoring one run on an Adam Engel solo home run in the eighth inning. The Yankees scored three in the second and didn't look back after that. Joey Gallo gave them some insurance in the ninth inning with a home run to give it a 5-1 final. And Herb, like we said, the Sox lose 3-4. of four. And I think the biggest thing we're taking away before we get into the Michael Kopech pitching performance, before we get into the offense and Nestor Cortez versus the Sox offense, let's just talk about some of the frustration because we talked a little bit about it in the pregame show. But mm-hmm. It, 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 it's it's just another series, right? This is what I keep being told. It's it's 162. They all count the same. If you if it's a win is a win. If you win four straight against the Royals and four straight against the Yankees, at the end of the day, they all end up in the win column, right? Correct. Uh, you you see Rick Hahn saying, you know, it's a playoff like atmosphere, but at the end of the day, it's just a benchmark. It's just a thing that happens because that is May baseball, and it's not October baseball. But I feel a lot of frustration in our comment section. I feel a lot of frustration on Twitter. And I don't know if you're feeling frustrated, but watching the White Sox up against a true playoff team, the best team in the MLB right now, this was a frustrating series to watch. I think it is frustrating because you know we're supposed to be at that level in the orbit. Maybe you're not as good as the Yankees, but close to the orbit. And this weekend has the realization, for me at least, that the White Sox are nowhere near the Yankees. We already knew they weren't near the Houston Astros last year after the playoffs. We probably knew that during the regular season. Again, the White Sox win one of these games. It's better than getting swept. But that's the realization I come away with this weekend. It's just like those are two different teams, two different philosophies. That team cares. That team is a team that is to be reckoned with. I don't know if people see the White Sox except for the central teams and get up for them. They don't, they're just also rants. You could just do this to them all game long. You can pummel them all the time. You can get two outs in an inning and score all your runs for the game with nobody on base with that two out designation. Is that where you'd like to start her? But this one oh, the most frustrating part is, is getting the, two outs in the oh second inning. God, it's the worst. Like, <laughs> and I know he's not trying and I know it's not a thing, but we, the thing we say about Dylan Cease, he doesn't do that anymore. 
And so he's become an elite pitcher because he doesn't have the bad inning anymore. Michael Kopech, while he had a sub one ERA coming into this game, has every game just one hiccup. And it's usually in the first inning where it's just doesn't get it and he loses it in the middle. This is the maturation from thrower to pitcher that he hasn't got to yet. So I'm not blaming him because I know sometimes you just lose your stuff. He only yeah. and you will have the breakdown of what he had in that that inning. It looked like he can only get over this fastball. And when he did get that over, it wasn't great. Yeah, it was not great. I mean, let's just talk about it because it was such an oh, an odd game uh, for the White Sox and the Yankees, because in the first inning, Michael Kopech did exactly what I wanted him to do. He went one, two, three. He started using his fastball early in counts and then he used his slider to get out of it against DJ LeMahieu. He started him off with, I'm pretty sure, four straight fastballs. Yep. His first slider perfectly located, low and outside, a weak grounder, one out. Then Aaron Judge comes up, two fastballs, a slider, then an out. And then uh, he goes, uh, I think, back-to-back fastballs. But, I mean, that's what he was doing to Rizzo. Uh, you know, one, two, or I think it was, yeah, Rizzo. Uh, one, yeah. two, two fastballs back-to-back. Rizzo, you know, makes contact. It was the loudest out of the inning. Um, but it doesn't even go to the warning track. And it's just, you know, sometimes you just need to let them make contact because you need to make your pitch. You need to be in a position to take uh, you know, advantage of them, right? You need to pitchers count. You can't be in these batters uh, counts, especially when they're be looking fastball, and especially when fastball is the only one that you can actually locate right now. So it's it's frustrating to see what happens in the second inning. But the first inning was great to see. I love seeing his first inning. And then the White Sox batting in the first inning against Cortez. I love that too. T.A. works a 3-2 count. I know people were upset that he swung at ball four, but T.A. is going to swing at balls out of the zone, but he put good wood on it. Um, he just hit it directly at Donaldson. Then up comes uh, uh, Andrew Vaughn, who had a good at bat as well, went 3-2. That was great to see. Still got out, right? Two outs there for the Sox, but they're making Cortez work. Robert comes up. He extends his hit streak. That's great to see. He ends up having two hits on the day, but he smoked that ball, went the opposite way. Good job, Luis Robert. And then Jose Abreu comes up. And, uh-huh. and then it just really feels like it goes all downhill after that because Kopech gets two outs at the start of the second inning. Uh, but I don't know if you want to start the Abreu talk now. I don't know if you want to go into the Kopech stuff. But I want to get I the mean, Kopech I, stuff. Absolutely we'll brutal at bat from Abreu in the first inning, and it didn't stop then. Yeah, we'll get into him a little bit later. But that second inning, he gets Giancarlo Stanton to fly out to Adam Engel. Then Josh Donaldson hits the ball to A.J. Pollock. Two outs, baby. We're in the house. Joey Gallo's up. <laughs> Fastball changeup, fastball, 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 walk. Then kind of left hook, two fastballs, hit to left field. Then he goes against Jose Trevino, weak hitting catcher. Slider, fastball, fastball, curveball, fastball, walks. Jose Trevino. We got the bases loaded. Aaron Hicks is a tough customer. He's hitting ninth in this lineup for a reason, though. Fastball, 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 fastball. All fastballs. He walks him in, and so they have a run. Then DJ LeMahieu, he does the same damn thing. Curveball, fastball, fastball, fastball. Four and one, another walk. And then the wild pitch scores the third run. All this, two outs, nobody on. I don't know if he lost control. Like, you didn't hear me say slider at all. You heard yourself do, well, no, he did it one time. The ball in the dirt to Trevino, the first pitch. That was the only slider he threw in that whole sequence. What had got him out of those tough situations in the first Sliders, you know, you throw fastballs to major league hitters and you're not locating them. The Yankees, especially, they're not a team that's going to be swinging too much out of the zone. And we saw evidence of this in the in the game. You're going to be putting yourself in trouble. He lost himself. He I don't know if him and Yaz were not on the same accord. But when you see him this wild, you need to change it up. He can't just be throwing fastballs and his fastball was not his premium fastball that you usually see him topping out at 98, 99. Well, and you look at at what the Yankees do. They are looking to get into hitters counts and punish those fastballs. And that's what I feel like the White Sox don't do. They're so aggressive that they just are looking for any fastball where the Yankees are looking for the fastball. And I think Yankee fans have been upset with, you know, Joey Gallo. I don't think he's been living up to their expectations, but man, I'll take that at bat in the ninth inning where he sees fastball curveball change up and then you know he finally gets his pitch three two fastball at the knees and he takes that out into uh in, into the uh the, the where the goose is right mm-hmm. so i mean it's it's just smart baseball right there you don't see the white Sox doing it you don't see the white Sox looking for their pitch and doing damage 
to their pitch like that. That doesn't happen. And it wasn't happening with Cortez. And you felt like it was happening with the Yankees. And that's what was frustrating. And you're right about that second inning. I want to go to the the roller coaster, basically. This is Michael Kopech's velocity in the second inning. Um, and it talks about the 41 pitches that he throwed uh, through uh, 34 fastballs in this inning. He hit a peak of 95.2 on pitch 18 and 23. He hit those top velocities of 95 miles per hour at pitches 18 and 23. Do you know where he hit his lowest velocity, Herb? Uh, pitch two. Pitch 15. You can mm. see it right there. 15. It was at 91 miles per hour, Oof. and that's on the fastball. Um, but it's a roller coaster on that fastball. I mean, look at that. It goes down, up, down, up, down, up, big down, up. You ride the, the, the hill right there. Then you go back down. You go up. You go up. You go up. It's like riding the Great American Eagle at Six Flags. I mean, like, it's, it's brutal stuff right there, and he's relying on it the whole damn time. And then you see him finally work in the curveball. Those are the two uh, blue dots you see down there, the final two blue dots. Um, and he finally works the curveball into judge and that's where he gets out of the inning finally after throwing 41 pitches he uses two curves against judge and the first one was a ball but it's still you got to show these guys Mm -hmm. something you have to show the ability of hey i can throw you something else than a fastball because at least these guys can uh, watch the movement on the fastball and see it you know go out of the zone so i mean it's just it was really brutal and he got judge on a three two fastball middle middle horrible location but you can Different. still throw that there when you're when you're showing them something else. If you're only showing them a fastball there and you throw it middle middle, that's gone. And any major league baseball player would tell you just changing the eye level, like high fastball to a dirted curveball. At least you have changed his eye level. And I wasn't mistaken; it wasn't Yasmani, of course. Today he came in late for a rocket shot out that he uh, got out in the eighth inning. It was Reese McGuire back there. Very disappointed in Reese McGuire on the slider that he missed that I think goes down as a wild pitch. You threw, you threw down the, the pitch com Reese, you know, what pitch is coming up, right? You should have gotten in front of it. He tried to backhand the slider and that's where the third run came in because that ball went to the backstop. So I was just disappointed with that communication. I don't know if Michael told him, Hey, all I have is a fastball that's hitting, but we saw later on in the game, he started mixing in other stuff to the success of what 13 guys in a row with only the one hit given up by uh, I, uh, what Isaiah Kiner Falefa in that yep. second inning. I just think that that one inning and you should win with six innings pitched three earned or less. It was a great gritty performance out of that second uh, inning out of that second inning. I'm saying, no, I'm not I'm, saying I'm, I'm not impressed by this at all. I'm not going to say second great. inning. I'm not, I'm not saying great at all. He you're you're looking at that and he saying threw, it's great. Not the second inning. Take no, the second I'm, inning. No, out. I'm, I know. I'm saying. I'm yes. saying that entire thing. You can. I. I understand your point. The final result is fine. But if we're looking back at Thursday's start uh, for Dylan Cease and we're looking at Michael Kopex today, I understand that Dylan Cease gave up six earned runs. But Dylan Cease had a much better start than than Michael Kopech today. I'm concerned. I'm more concerned about Michael Kopech than I've ever been after a start of him going six innings and you know allowing only three earned runs. I mean, I understand the contact wasn't there, but he showed no ability to throw his curveball. He showed no ability to throw his slider, and he still had it working. I understand, but that luck will run out. It will, and I think sometimes he needs somebody to get in his ear. He throws way too many fastballs. We talked about that before the game, especially versus the Yankees team. Maybe you want to vary it, and I was thinking in that second inning when I didn't see almost triple digits on the fastballs, like, okay, maybe he's taking something off. And, yes, if his is, what, a, 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 a mile per hour and a half off of his regular, yeah, that's concerning because it's May 15th. Mm-hmm. We have a bunch of games to go, a bunch. And his next start will be in the boogie down, will be versus these very same Yankees. So I thought it was an impressive job to get from where he was to where he finished up. I know you love the the C start a little bit more. This one is a maturing pitcher that hasn't hit the peak yet. On so this is this is a guy skating by the skin of his teeth. Yes, this is all he had. Dylan Cease challenged hitters and showed them what the fuck was up. They swung and missed at twenty of those damn pitches. Michael Kopech couldn't fool a fucking squirrel up there. That was brutal. And that was goddamn brutal. That's that's pitching, Sean. No, that's pitching. When you don't have a lot and you know you don't have the premium stuff, going through a lineup like this like the way he did and getting outs after, especially after adversity, 
I think is a great job of pitching by Michael Kopech. I didn't. Hey, I'll take this from Michael Kopech every time. No, no, this I was. Is, this is I would. scary. This, I would. this, this needs help. This needs true help. I mean, he he went away from his slider completely after getting outs with it in the first inning. That has to be concerning. Can we look at the pitch mix here, uh, Stephen? Just looking at the the called strikes and whiffs, and we'll be able to see some of the velocity stuff as well with Kopech because we'll get into it. I mean, in the third inning, he did bounce back, and I did like it. I mean, yes. Stoney talked about it. McGuire uh, talked about it, or uh, it seemed like McGuire and Kopech talked. Um, you see six fastballs, three curveballs, and, and two sliders in the third inning. This is the entire game for Kopech. Um, 69% fastball. Nice. Um, 63 much. total out of 91. 20 curveballs, seven sliders, one changeup. But the big thing is, I mean, three whiffs on his four-seam fastball. That's not a Michael Kopech day. You see the average pitch, pitch velocity down by 1.6 miles per hour. That is not a Michael Kopech day. And I'm concerned that he might have dead arm at this point in the year if the fact that he's at 90 miles per hour. And that curveball is nothing special. I mean, he did get four whiffs on it, but I think it was just the fact that guys were surprised it was coming. Um, but still, I mean, it's it's still below average uh, when it comes to called strikes and whiffs uh, at 25%. The average yes. is 27. I, I mean, he, he really wasn't it wasn't impressive. I mean, I just think that this, if this happens, you know, in five games, I think you're going to have three or four bad starts. I, I, I think that the Yankees were too aggressive. I think that played into his hands. And, and I think it just hurt Cease. Cease was too in the zone. But for Cease, that's something that he needs to be because most guys will swing and miss. The Yankees aren't that. But I think the Yankees' aggressiveness hurt them today. And, and Kopech pitched into that. But that's not going to happen every single game. No. And but the fact that you see the slider down at eight percent of the pitches he threw today, he's usually at twenty. I said tick that up to twenty five before the game, but I can believe that he didn't have the feel for the slider today. If he had his slider like he did in the first inning, which the slider he threw to, I think Judge caught a lot of the plate, and Judge just popped it up. But so maybe he knew that the slider is not going to be the thing today, and. The fact that he only threw it seven or eight times tells me that he didn't have it because it's it's a it's a weapon. And if you have that type of weapon, you don't go to the curveball, which is not fully formed yet. That slider is a little bit better right now. So he didn't have it today. So I find this performance to be not only acceptable, but to be great. I'm because confused, you didn't but have what you what, what you usually have. And you still battle through one of the top lineups. In he he ML battled baseball. He, he battled and lost he, he battled and won all of his wars right cease battled and lost all of his wars but I'm more impressed with how cease battled and the thing from Kirk here that and I'm not trying to bash Kirk I, Kirk's always in here we love Kirk we appreciate Kirk he said LMAO no way Sean cease got destroyed by throwing fastballs to the best best fastball uh, hitters on the team. Kopech threw 69% fastballs today. Hello. Cease threw around 40% yesterday. I mean, like, he was mixing pitches to Stanton. And the one thing with Stanton, too, he threw two fastballs to him, and, th and then he ended up hitting a home run on the second one. That's Cease back on Thursday. But it's not like, you know, it's it's not like Kopech wasn't throwing fastballs to Stanton. That, that was the first at-bat that he had against Stanton. Uh, I ended up posting about it on Twitter, the fact that I was like, oh, you have to avoid throwing fastballs uh, to to. Giancarlo Stanton look at what happened with uh with with uh Dylan Cease and Giancarlo Stanton that first at bat that he had against Kopech fastball 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 he threw four fastballs to him yeah I, and I, I, I'm not I'm not buying this he got lucky you can say that but MJ brings up a point that we talked about off the air also a good reason why we couldn't rely on him and not replace Rodon's role but we don't need to keep talking about Rick's offseason like yes going into this season with Michael Kopech is your fourth starter and your fifth starter being Dallas Keuchel was a mistake because you know that Michael Kopech has not started a full season as a starter. He hasn't done it at all. So he was going to be on an innings limit no matter what. And as your fourth starter or fifth starter, that's going to be trouble. You needed to have some security, some insurance. And Vince Velasquez, while pitching more, better than he has pitched poorly, is not it. Same thing with Dallas Keuchel. Great job yesterday. You're not it either. So not having Rodon, which I did not have a gripe with, but now in hindsight, it's a huge miss by the White Sox and Rick Hahn. So hey, you don't this guy, <laughs> yeah, this guy, Michael Kopech, probably will be on an innings limit, and he'll probably be stopped at a inning where you're not going to be happy. Not you, Sean, but you out there who is a listener. And definitely, right. if you want to join us in these conversations, if you're listening to the podcast, 
send us a text. Send us a tweet at CHGO underscore White Sox. I'm here for you. Can I ask about, uh, I want to go to, I'm sorry, I'm looking now for another one. Um, Where was it? Dead arm after, it was Jack Stranet saying dead arm after 20 innings. Um, Here's the data behind that. Michael Kopech's lowest fastball heading into today in his entire career was 92.3 miles per hour. Today, his lowest one reached 90.7, and he hit it multiple times. He was under 92 multiple times. That's why I think it's dead arm, and that's why I'm concerned about that hurt. But the Rodon thing, obviously, that's an issue with him, too. I mean, right now, he looks great because his arm wasn't dead, but that was the first instance, or that's the instance that I think of when we think of dead arm, was Mm -hmm. Rodon last year. And he ended up coming back and battling against the Reds and having a great start in in, in September against the Reds, even though his stuff was around 92, 93. Like, that stuff can play, but that's not how Michael Kopech plays and that's the concern what makes Michael Kopech great is this big fastball with this crazy deceptive movement that rises to hitters like you're saying it's this great sweeping slider we have not seen that great sweeping slider we have not seen that powerful fastball consistently and that's the dangers in stretching out somebody I'm concerned that Already here on May 15th, after 30 innings, we are seeing some dead arm. And I, I think that it might be something that we'll have to watch and, and see you know, what they say about it after the game today. It, it is a concern. And, and that's why I think that Rodon was so important because Keiko's worth $18 million right now. Cueto was worth $4.2. They're supposed to call him up after the game tonight. Today, Velasquez was $3 million. Let's see. That's $7.2 million plus 18. That's $25 million. Carlos Rodon signed for $22 million. That I see as a mismanagement of assets. That's that's how I see it. I see that as a mismanagement of funds. You fucked up there. <laughs> I agree. But this is what I wanted to ask you. You've already spelled out that Michael had less than his best. Are you not impressed with him battling through with less than his best? No, because, I mean, honestly, he was fighting for dear life. He was throwing the fastball, trying to figure out where it was going, and he was choking his curveball, and it wasn't impressive. I mean, I I think that if you had a more patient team, Michael Kopech would have gotten knocked out by the fourth inning. But the thing that helped him was that the Yankees were just going up there and swinging. And if he threw a fastball in the zone because it was lower velocity, they were swinging. Their aggressiveness helped him get out of it early. I don't think that any of this was impressive by him at all i mean it's it's, you you know thank god that he pitched i'm not i'm not a hater but i'm not trying to say that this is a good start this is concerning for me and i mean that could be concerning but you can also say that i'm fairly sure rodan season will be over by early july well guess what that's going to be one hell of an impressive you know march to july where dallas keichel is going to suck ass from from march to september like i'd rather watch at least three months of good pitching than i'd rather watch dallas keichel you know barely have a good start uh, each and every game and hey he's been good for the last two so maybe that'll change but no i mean this is something that is concerning to me because you know yes kopech got out of it but i think he got out of it and i think he got lucky so you're stealing my thing process over results you're yeah. thinking the process wasn't good I just think that he had a bad head hand dealt to him and he came up aces. Like sometimes you have two, two and seven offsuit. And that's kind of what he had today to have three strikeouts with that trash. He was throwing up there and the four walks in that same inning. I applaud the guy for turning himself into a better pitcher today. I think that's what happened. Well, what he ended up throwing around 40, he threw 41 pitches in the second inning. I think he threw around 12 innings in the 12, 12 pitches in the first inning. So he was around 50 pitches after the second inning and he yep. ends up throwing 40 pitches in the last four. I mean, that that's shows, you do that should, that should, but that's not, that's like, I get it. Like, yeah, that's how you do it. But I think the Yankees, if they were more patient, they would have really done it to him. But I, I guess I'm just, you know, I'm, 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 I'm you're, you're a here. tough grader over there. I well, but my thing is, is like, what if he has a dead arm? Like, what if James Fegan is out here, you know, tweeting right now that you know Michael Kopech is a dead arm and he's going to be, you know, going to the the IL? For Those a are two days. different situations. If he is going down on the shelf, that's a different situation. You're, I just think a, what what today was was a chance for him to prove that he belongs on the upper elite. And sometimes you don't. If he had the stuff that he was throwing out there versus the Cubs, or any of that. Like that start, he had better stuff, but he just couldn't locate. And that's why he threw all those pitches. If he had that stuff today, I think it's a better result. And maybe he ends up with the C stuff. Like he strikes out more people, but he gets hit hard like Cease did. 
I'm not saying that Kopech's start right here was better than what Cease did on Thursday because Cease was other level uh, striking people out. When, when they got him, they got him. Today, I just think that Michael didn't have it. And so to battle through without A-plus stuff, probably C-minus stuff, that's what pitchers have to do because you're not going to have that good stuff all the time. And Michael needs to learn that. And you're not going to have people flailing at fastballs all the time. And that's what happened today because the Yankees were patient in that second inning. So they knew that he wasn't going to get over anything else but that fastball. That's why he got that out by Aaron Judge on a curveball that wasn't great. Right. I'm just wondering what, what what's the issue here? Because, you know, he's, he's changed the slider grip, and I don't think he trusts that slider grip. Mm-mm. He talked about his curveball. He's choking his curveball. So all he has is his fastball. And if his arm is dead now and he's going to be pitching at 90, 92, like that's not – he's going to be going out there with C-minus stuff every no- night now. So, I, I mean, if he goes in and does this again – then that's just bad start snowballing. It's snowballing, snowballing. I'm trying to look at this from the last couple starts because you, you're right. When he last played, uh, you know, the Cubs, he didn't have that great break, you know, sl- uh, slider. He tried to bring it back in that start against Cleveland. He had it back, uh, more a- a- against Cleveland uh, on the ninth. Um, but outside of that, like he didn't have it against Kansas City. He didn't have it against the Cubs. Like I'm still looking for him to show a consistency with his breaking balls because I think really then every night it is a gamble. Like, will he have it? Will he not? And then will he be able to battle or will he finally lose a couple of these battles? Because I think if people are able to finally figure it out and he's still going in there with C minus stuff at some point, that C minus stuff is going to get C minus grades. Oh, don't worry, baloney. We'll get to the hitters, especially your man, Jose. Abreu. All right. But well, the this best- guy's got to do a read, though. The best way to support CHGO is to support uh, the best way to support CHGO is to download the points bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk free bets up to $2,000. That's not it. If you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first time deposit at points bet. If you have any questions, you can email points bet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. Points bet is your home for live and play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA Same Game Parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And if you want more, you can also boost your live same game parlays. You can watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. Online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life at PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. That's for the people that aren't members already. Or if you're wondering what being a member is about, if you don't want to, you know, just put $50 into a points bet account right now, you want to f- figure out what you're getting in that CHGO membership, you're going to be getting the live and free pre and post game shows, the free live shows, our podcast for each and every Chicago team. We are trying to represent you, the fan, whether you are a White Sox fan, whether you are a Cubs fan, whether you're a Blackhawks fan, a Bulls fan, a Bears fan, a Sky fan, a Red Stars fan, a, a, a Fire fan. I think I missed the Bulls too. Whatever we have you covered with free pregame shows, postgame shows, podcasts each and every day. We are trying to serve you. And we also have members who help support us and they get you know, a little bit more. They get premium written content from our great writers. Vinny Duber usually joins us on this podcast. He's off today, but usually he comes on and says, this is what Tony said. This is what Michael Kopech said. This is what Jose Abreu said. And then he writes about it online and it's great at allchgo.com. Members also get a free shirt. If you use that points bet account and sign up link uh, CHGO and deposit $50 uh, for your first time uh, depositing, you'll get a free shirt. Members who sign up at allchgo.com get a free shirt. So if you become a member anyway, you'll get a free fantastic shirt. We have great logo and designs and you'll also get membership into our chgo lounge it is a discord group where you get to chat with everyone from chgo and all of our members all right herb let's go to this crazy stat this is from james smith i think the name is uh a new york name writer yes but he smells it a little bit differently it's not s m i y t y yeah fancy yeah james smith uh james why james smith 
<laughs> James at James Smith 621 S M Y T H. But Yankees two game spans of 15 plus innings of zero to four hits allowed of zero to one runs allowed and 18 plus K's. It's Roger Clemens in two games from October 14th, uh, 2000 ALCS game four and World Series game four. Mike Mussina in September of 2001 and Nestor Cortez in May of 2022. Mm-hmm. Nestor Cortez just had a great outing against the Kansas City Royals going seven innings, striking out 11 with one hit. And he just basically did it again to the White Sox. Eight innings, one earned uh, one earned run, no walks, uh, only uh, I think it was three hits, right? Yeah, three hits and, and seven Ks today. So fantastic outing from Nestor Cortez. Uh, what'd you think of uh, watching Nestor today? Filthy. Like he's messing with timing. And in the broadcast, you heard Lynn and Steve talk about him being really, really deliberate with Tim Anderson in the first inning and then slowing it down when he got to, uh, you know, not Yoan Moncada at that time. Who's the number two hitter? I just lost his name. But then Luis Rob, Yeah. one, one, And then Luis Robert comes up the third and he mixes that up. He's really working fast. And then he works slow. Then he works from a ball he's throwing over the top. And then he goes to three quarters like we told you in pregame. That guy is probably really hard to pick up. He's throwing no, pretty much fastballs. He's doing the land slim from the left side. He's got a cutter. He's got a sinker. He's got a four-seamer. And then he's got a change. So that must be really hard to pick up, especially all the angles, the playing with timing. He knows he doesn't have A-plus stuff to get Major League Baseball players out just by throwing over the plate. So he uses these things to his advantage because before this year, he wasn't this. He went into the lab and became this this is a kudos to him and before we get going and hello to everybody and if you're listening and on the podcast send in where you're gonna be listening from our guy juan c perez at 11 spain. yeah 11 30 out there in spain listening to us in madrid 11 30 that's amazing Please minnesota send in, send in to chgo underscore white Sox where you're listening to this podcast and if you're watching live right here we'll love to see where you're listening but nestor cortez did nothing but impress today I thought the White Sox, especially if going against a lefty, would get some runs up against them. Only uh, Adam Meaton with that home run was the Adam who? only tally. Adam Meaton. Adam Engel. Damn it. That's another dollar. Yeah, you deserve that one. That, I get my, you, if you're my right fielders. That guy. My right if fielders messed up. If you're bringing up that Adam, you're definitely deserving a dollar here. From Boston. Um, yeah, Herb, who could expect this? Who could expect Nestor Cortez to have a good day against the White Sox? Only you. Only me. Isn't that funny? You, you know, predicted I, I it before hate... the game with a visual. You showed everybody. You said the White Sox will not do well against this. That's Sean Anderson. He tells you the weather. Hey, but hey, but then you went against hey yourself. You guessed yourself in the pregame and said the White Sox <laughs> going to win this. Like somehow. Well, yeah. Like they're going to come back and win. I think I said five to three. It turned out to be five to one. I was right that the Yankees would win this. I just think they're a better team. Well, I'm delusional, Herb. I'm delusional. I, I I don't think the White Sox will do well, but I think that they'll, you know, score runs, score seven runs. Somehow I, I thought that the White Sox would score seven runs today. But, hey, the Yankees only had two hits, and they they, they scored five runs. So, you know, it's possible, friends. You just got to be able to walk. Um, but, yeah, Cortez, let's go to his pitch mix because um, – and you're right. I mean, like, his his stuff is fun. I mean, it's, it's fun watching him. You could see the way that you were right about the way that, you know, he was pitching to Vaughn, how it was sped up, and then he started slowing down a little bit more to Robert and Abreu. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch. He ended up throwing very similar amounts of cutters and forcing fastballs. His slider was effective enough until Adam Ingle saw it and hit a home run, which is funny because the last time he played the Sox um, in 2021 in August, it took until the sixth inning for the Sox to score a run. It was Andrew Vaughn hitting a home run off his slider. So I think it's just funny how things like that work out. Um, he wasn't overpowering. He did get some whiffs, though. 13 whiffs for a guy that doesn't have that you know, blazing of stuff is really good. And it's all mainly on fastballs, 12 of his 13 whiffs coming on the cutter and four seam fastball. Um, But the big thing is the called strikes and whiff percentage. I mean, even on the slider, I mean, that is a breaking ball that is getting strikes all the time. It is getting a called strike 55% of the time. Basically it's nasty. It's real damn good. And Um, that's the pitch that Adam Engel hit out. Yes. Yeah, that's the, the the pitch Adam Engel had out. So, I mean, and it took he, he did a great job, though. I mean, that's the thing that the White Sox weren't doing. They were seeing fastball, and they didn't want to be late on the fastball, or they didn't want to let the fastball get by them. They didn't want to wait and sit on that slider. Engel did a great job of 
thinking fastball, thinking fastball, waiting slider, following it down and and turning on it. It was a great piece of hitting from him. Um, but I mean, this is just this is great stuff from Nestor. He was quick. He was fast. And let's go to the balls and play um, chart here on the map. And you'll see where he was. Herb, that's that's all the outs he got. Yeah, that's filth. Like he's in the zone, in the zone, around the zone with all the pitches that he's getting outs with. Those are Not, like five, five of them. The, five of them don't touch the zone or no, they, it's, it, four of them don't. And they don't in like 92. He doesn't have mm-hmm. f- like great stuff. Like he's burly esque with a little bit more of a finesse, a little bit more right now in his cutter. I don't know what he did in the offseason, but this is his third well, stint with the Yankees. And whatever he did in the offseason, he turned himself into a major league pitcher that they are depending on going forward. This is the difference between the Yankees being an all saran in the playoffs to going to the next level because Garrett Cole is going to shove. You know that. You, you have that. You got a guy like Nasty Nestor Cortez being the fifth starter when you start the season, and now he's probably your best pitcher, including Garrett Cole. Eh. That's something. Mm. I'll, nope. still, I'll still take Garrett I Cole. I know I would still take Garrett Cole because of the pedigree and what he's put on the wall, right. but who's pitching better? You, you just know, went I, over I, the Yankees' stats. In the history of that whole organization, this guy's matching Roger Clemens and, and Moose Mussina. Yeah, and we got Mark chiming in from L.A., California. I said that one right. I screwed up Arroyo Grande earlier. Uh, and we got Dyer, Indiana from Dan from the 219. Thank you, you guys for checking in. Eric Fenton? He's in a submarine. What? In the middle of the Indian Ocean. What? Eric Fenton said he's in the middle of the Indian Ocean. In a I, do you think Eric Fenton's in the submarine in the, in the Indian Ocean? We yes. got Monica from Guadalajara. A yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. I don't know how do you prove that. You can only type here. There's no visual error well, can send out there. You can always send a, a text tweet. or a tweet to CHGO underscore White Sox, Eric, because the skeptical Sean Anderson doesn't think you're in a goddamn yeah. submarine in the middle of the Indian Ocean. I don't know. you got to get out in the middle, middle of the Indian Ocean and take pictures for Sean yeah, Dalton th- Thomas over here. And, well, and thanks for telling him to, to text our Twitter, Herb. Thank you, Uncle Herb, for I'm telling old. us to text Texting, our Twitter. Texting, tweeting, commenting, the same thing. All right, well, let's uh, get into where the White Sox were, were going wrong. And let's go back to that, that zone, though. But that's the big thing with the White Sox here. And, and uh, even there was a couple pitches like Vaughn had one that was, you know, he got 2-1 two, two in the fourth inning mm. uh, against Cortez. And he got a, an 88-mile-per-hour fastball right down the middle, um, and he popped it up. But let's go back to the pitch map for Cortez where he got all the balls in play uh, out. I mean, that's oh. the, the red fastball right there in the middle. Um, but you see it. I mean, it's all just that dark red and that, that lighter red. It's that forcing fastball and it's that cutter. And it's all about moving that ball away from the barrel. And it's just about making sure that pitch is in the right location. So it's just off the bat. And and you see that red dot all the way to the far right. That's Jose Abreu popping one out. I mean, it's just bad contact on pitches that are very hittable. And I think that the thing the White Sox were doing were just they didn't they weren't able to pick up the difference between the, the cutter and the four seam fastball. Stoney talked about how uh, Cortez talked with uh, Corey Kluber, who was a former Yankee, uh, to learn that cutter. And obviously the White Sox know a lot about Corey Kluber, but it, it's it's great for Cortez. I mean, fantastic stuff seeing that development from the that cutter, that four seam fastball. It's nothing special, but that shows you pitching right there. You don't need to be a Michael Kopech or a Dylan Cease with this crazy electric stuff because Hey, I mean, your Kopech, I guess, proved your point. And the point that I'm trying to prove here, he usually pitches 96, 97. That usually is, you know, accumulating into swings and misses here. He's throwing 92 today and he's, he's still getting outs. Yep. And you saw with the uh, chart, if you're watching us live, it was all over the strike zone. It was up, down, right, left. That's how you do it. You're changing eye levels. You're not consistently inside so they'll just look inside and just wait for whatever pitch it is because the the changing of the miles per hour for Nestor Cortez it's not that varied like with his fastballs it's like 88 to 92 so it's in between them you're not going to be too off of his fastball if you're swinging early but we saw one time when Andrew Vaughn it was middle middle he was like Bugs Bunny changeup style he was <laughs> way out in front of it but that's how you pitch he saw the White Sox probably looking dead red I'm going to throw a cutter in in your hands. Okay, next pitch. Here's a slider outside corner. He was working the zone. He worked well with uh, Jose Trevino. I think Jose Trevino today, the catcher of the Yankees. They did a really fabulous job of game planning for the White Sox, understanding what they're going to try to do, and then executing it to a perfect eight innings, three hits, one earned run, and seven strikeout performance. 
And we'll talk now about Jose Abreu because he was Ugh. one of the guys that he Why? got. And oh, real quick, and you're talking about, let's go back to the pitch map real quick. I know people on the podcast can't see that. Can we see the balls in play against Steven? I'm so sorry. Uh, but it, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. I mean, it all plays off the slider too. I mean, you see the slider on the outside there. You see the slider on the inside there. Um, it, it's all in that just kind of area. It's, ne- it's never above the strike zone. It's never really below the strike zone. It's all east to west. And that's what I was trying to point you out. And, and maybe we'll keep seeing this with White Sox or, or who has success against the White Sox, because if guys are able to really just keep it all in the zone and around that area, it really just negates all of the Sox power. And yes, they're still able to get 12 balls hit over 95 miles per hour today, but nothing lands. And that's the story with the White Sox. And that's why the walks end up killing him. But let's go to Jose Abreu. He ends up going 0 for 4 today with mm. two Ks. He looks horrible herb what are your thoughts on abreu he got the dh opportunity today but is uh jose abreu in line for a day off he should there's five games coming up in kansas city the doubleheader on tuesday i expect him to be out that first game in kansas city on the tuesday he'll be in the lineup tomorrow that's guaranteed and otherwise i need him to like he's the metrics are decent He's still hitting the ball decently hard, not as much as of late. But if you look at his his uh, percentages, they're not in the 99th percentile like they were earlier. But uh, I I just can't give up on my man, Jose Abreu. But he definitely needs to be dropped down from the lineup and or have a day off because it's not hitting right now. Maybe some time just to think. Maybe Kansas City pitching works a little better for his bet well, while the Yankees pitching is pretty top tier. Do you want to expand a little bit on giving up on a Brayu? What does that look like if you're if you're giving up on a Brayu? What do you mean by that? I mean, like you, you're you're not giving up on them, but before the season, you were like, I see some things, you know, that I don't like, and maybe this might be his last year. I just say, I mean, Jose, that's just me reading. I'm just trying to be honest. I'm. Not I know you to be, are. No, no, critical I know, or anything. I know you, you're 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 he's 35. Analytical. You're thinking about the next, not about the now or what's happened back, which is smart. You should. You'll be a good GM. Me, I'm thinking. <laughs> Thanks, hey, this guy <laughs> has earned enough rope where he can say, "I play when I want to play," both when I want to post every day, or if I want to sign a contract with the White Sox and play another year. That I think he's got that respect from both Rick Hahn and Jerry Reinsdorf, and even including Tony Larusa. Well, so and he, yeah, he, he gets the respect he gets, for sure. He gets to choose when he gets to play. So for me to say he's got to sit down, he, I know he's not. I know he's not going to sit down. I know Tony's not going to make him sit down. They're just going to let him play through it and hope that he turns on his August charm early this year. Because yeah, this is unacceptable, especially your third, fourth, or fifth hitter. And uh, Grandal's right there with him. Yeah, and here's Pugs Moran asking, why is Moncada getting a day off while Jose is playing every damn day? I mean, part of it is exactly what you said. I mean, Jose is going to say when he wants a day off. I mean, we talked about this on the pregame show, but it's probably good just to mention it at some point. Uh, Moncada just got off of a rehab stint. They have eight games in the next seven games, and he just played in three straight. I think it makes sense to rest that guy. I'm not too worried about pushing Yohan Moncada a little bit, but it's fine that he gets a day off here because they have a lot of games to look forward to. And I would rather have Yohan Moncada play four games against the Royals when they have five games coming up than four games against the Yankees. That really makes no sense to me. Those Royals games are more important. They're in the division. I would rather see Moncada in games for those rather than the Yankees. And again, he played three straight games coming off a rehab stint. I have one more comment here uh, or one more Mm -hmm. graphic I want to go to. Sorry, I didn't send it yet. Um, We'll go to the Andrew Vaughn one because Vaughn ends up playing for uh, Jose today. Um, There was a a pitch here. I don't even actually need the graphic, but I did like Vaughn's approach um, today. And it just makes me feel a little bit more excited for the future because even though Jose Abreu is a little bit later, and this is the the thing that it was, I think this is his third at bat, uh, Andrew Vaughn pitch right down the middle. He fouls off and then he gets one right on the outside corner and and fouls it off. And it's, it's, it was a good piece of hitting, but he really just thinks that ball is going to cut in on him. And that shows what Cortez was doing well today too. I think he thinks that ball is going to cut in on him. He thinks it's that cutter. He just got the four seam fastball. He gets another four seam fastball. And instead of that being in on his barrel where he's able to drive that out to right center field, which it looked like he was able to do, or he was trying to do, uh, he ends up popping it down in foul territory because it stayed straight, did not curve in or, or, you know, come in like his cutter usually 
cuts in. Uh, and, and that's why that pop up happened. And that's why I just think that the White Sox, you know, that's that was the story basically for the whole White Sox, because they were able to get some exit velocity on the ball today, but they just weren't able to do it consistently enough. And let's go to this one from Jose Abreu. Uh, this is from Josh Nelson, just to continue the Abreu talk. Jose Abreu currently career low average launch angel, uh, career low line drive rate, uh, career high ground ball rate. And his numbers against sliders are horrible, which he's seeing more of. He's hitting the ball hard on the ground. That doesn't work for a 35-year-old first baseman. And honestly, I mean, this series against the Yankees, he looked horrible against the fastball. I mean, he looked horrible on Thursday's game. He looked horrible today against the fastball. I'm just worried that it's age at this point. I mean, it's he's been playing baseball, professional baseball for 20 years at this point. That was my concern is that he's been playing so many games every single year over and over. And yes, he hasn't been hurt, but he's still been playing so much. He has a lot of wear and tear in those 20 years of playing. And I think that I don't know the metrics on the defense. I know his hall of his uh, uh, MVP year, his defense improved immensely from the year before. And it's kind of have fallen off since then. Now he's not a butcher out there in first base. I would be fine with him manning the position, but if we look at Paul Konerko, his last two years, he fell off the table. Like, it happened quickly. It wasn't yeah. like a precipitous, slow drip. It was done. They let him play that second to last year and then gave him, uh, like, a uh, ceremonial, hey, this is our last year. We're going to go around and give you some uh, gifts and such because you're such a great White Sox player. And I hope that's not Jose Abreu. I just look at the numbers that – if he's in the middle of July and he's still kind of middling like this, yeah, then I'll be really disappointed. He has had a poor, a really piss poor time this year. Like in a half way. of the, half of the home runs that he usually hits at this time, which in his slow starts, and half of the RBIs that he usually hits at this time. Right now in 2022, so the numbers are way down from where he usually is at. You would have to have a renaissance to get back to his regular 30 and 100. And around 285, he's far away away from there. But he's proven me wrong in the past. I will not count him out as yet. But it is concerning that he is not the player that he usually is at this time. And talk about Canerco, too. It's funny just how they in some ways mirror each other, because after 2006, Paulie wasn't that same player in 2007, uh, an OPS of 116, 2008, 103, 2009, 114. And then he comes back in 2010, uh, has a a, a top five MVP season, is great in 2011, an all star top 15 and MVP. And then in 2012 has a full season, 130 uh, OPS plus and then comes back for 126 games and has an OPS plus of. 82 jose abreu has a great start to his career rookie of the year has a great first four years in 2017 and then 2018 it's his first all-star year but a 117 ops 2019 or uh, 2018 uh, again uh, 117 ops uh, 2019 118 ops and then he has the mvp year in 2021 he has a you know top 15 mvp performance and then he just kind of falls off and i just hope that isn't the fall off point for jose abreu but it just it looks really 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 Really, 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 really bad right now. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the points bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. In case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the points bet app right now and register your account for start to finish all from your phone you'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds what are you waiting for once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life at points bet gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 okay herb we got mm-hmm. the royals coming up mm-hmm. one more topic i want to talk about with you is Grandall. uh reese mcguire has been catching you know, a too bit much. for the Sox here. You think it's too much. Way Him too starting much. against the lefty as well as a left-handed batter. That's that's interesting. <laughs> Alex Rude shared a stat with me. Uh, I think that uh, Reese McGuire has a weighted runs created plus against lefties this year of minus 100. <laughs> so that's, that's not hilarious. good. Um, but here's the thing. Is, Tony, magic. Here's the thing, and this is the thing with oh, Abreu. God damn it. I understand that, you know, Abreu is this legend and he deserves all this respect and he deserves all this credit. Absolutely. And I understand Grandal was a top catcher. He's been great and he was great last year and he started off slow last year. But it's really irking me right now that Jose Abreu, the highest paid player, is underperforming. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yasmin, Yasmin Grandal, the biggest free agent contract that they have ever given out, is underperforming. And Liam Hendricks is a guy that you really can't trust right now, also one of the top play players on this team. That's concerning to me. I'm really concerned that the fact that the White Sox are not getting production from their top players. And I understand that, hey, maybe it can turn around. I feel like it might turn around for Hendricks, but I'm starting to get concerned about Grandal and Abreu. And, uh, you know, Grandal hit a decent ball in the eighth inning against Cortez. It didn't get out, but, you know, maybe that's a good sign that the power's coming back. But I'm concerned that the White Sox just aren't getting their stars to perform and who they paid to perform to perform. And it's, it just shows that again, like, I don't know if the money is being spent correctly. Yeah. I think also we've talked about urgency. The white Sox are looking for, Oh, this is a long season. This guy will be good. But like you're saying, what if they're not, what if they just fell off the table? What if they're just not as good as they were last year? The year that Yasmani Grandal had last year was an awesome year. Short, only, I think, 90-plus games, but he hit 23 home runs and almost driven, like, 65. Mm. He was good. He was decent behind the plate, but for Reese McGuire to be catching more innings than Yasmani Grandal this season, that's a travesty. That's ridiculous because that means that Reese McGuire is getting at-bats, and like you said, versus nasty left-handers where he's terrible versus them. But... They have a plan with Yasmani to keep his knees fresh from last year where his knees were kind of bugging him and didn't finish off as strong as they wanted him to do. I don't think they realize that these games count. And this is counting against this back of this baseball card. To be good, you got to have to start from somewhere. And these guys are struggling, which is making the White Sox offense as a whole struggling, which is making the team struggle. They're not the team that we thought they would be at this point. Can they be the AL Central champions? Yeah, the Twins are not running hiding from them, but it'll take efforts from Reese. I mean, not Reese Squire, Yasmani Grandal and Jose Abreu. If Jose Abreu's done like we might think he is, that's not going to be good for the White Sox at all. Well, and they will not win the AL Central. At, not like done, but if he goes yeah. from the 130 that Paul had in 2012 to the 82 OPS plus. That's signs of, okay, this guy is no longer the guy that we can trust in the middle of the lineup. And luckily, his contract runs out and we'll move on from it. But Yasmani Grandal, like you said, he gets the highest contract in White Sox history. We expect him to be first catching and then secondly with the bat. And he's doing neither of the two this year. If anything, if it was anything, because I mean, catching wise, like performance wise, when he catches, he's been fine. Um, he's he's been basically the same catcher that Reese McGuire has been, which is an above average defensive catcher. I like to see that, but the issue is, and it's exactly, I mean, it, it, part of it is what comes up with Alex Lord here saying Jose Abreu always starts off slow. He's Abreu. Let's all take a breath and remember how amazing this guy is. He will not fall off. Giving up faith on him is quite depressing and nauseating. I'm not giving up faith. People get old. He's 35 years old. Yasmani Grandal just had knee surgeries. These could just be realities here. I'm not trying to talk like this is what is actually happening. You know, 16 games, uh, 16 wins, 17 uh, losses, what, 32 games so far? Like, it is early on in the season. But these are the highest paid players not performing. These are highest paid players in a season where they need them to step up because Aloy's injured, because Luis goes down for a little bit, because Andrew Vaughn gets down. Andrew Vaughn should not be the best performing hitter right now. Tim Anderson's hitting. What are their excuses? Like you guys have gone through the seasons each and every year. You know how to get ready. You know how to get prepared. I don't understand why it's taking them into May to have these performances. There was a stat shared in the comments section here saying that the White Sox now have a lower OPS than the Reds. The Reds, I don't even think, have double-digit wins right now. I mean, like, that is pathetic. Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal aren't doing their jobs. I'm not trying to excuse them. They're not doing their jobs. That's just the damn truth. And I know if you ask those guys, they'll say the exact same thing. We're failing us specifically. Well, We're supposed to be punt, putting up these numbers by this time, and we have not done it. Our offense is piss poor. It's because of us. It's because of us. Yeah, Timmy leads us, but Timmy's numbers are real. Same thing with Luis Robert. His numbers yeah. are real. Right. Three and four are struggling, or four and five in the lineup today, struggling. They need that. You can't have your middle of the lineup be this piss poor. 
and and Fred says it here. Uh, all of their big boys hit home runs the series. Art did not. You get home runs from Gallo. You get home runs from Stanton. You get home runs from Judge. Donaldson. Donaldson. The Sox got that home runs guy. from Yoan Moncada, who returned from a rehab stint, and Adam Engel. That can't happen. You need to find the power somewhere. And you know what? I think there's power hopefully unlocked in the damn first baseman who has an MVP hanging on his uh, wall. And Yasmani Grandal, who we're calling Yasmani Bonds, uh, you know, jokingly after the season he has. But I mean, even with that, with Grandal, like the positives of last year was that he wasn't hitting and he had some bad ball, uh, bad, bad luck ball data or bad, batted, bad luck Bad, batted ball luck data um, that ended up turning around this year. It's bad plate approach. He's not walking and the the data isn't that great. So I'm concerned about Grandal. I'm concerned about Abreu. And it's not like Abreu is making adjustments and getting better. He's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Go look at his at-bats against the Yankees this entire series. I was not impressed with a single damn swing. Not even the... That's bad in May 15th when it's warming up. Not even the hit he had last night and Sunday and Saturday's game. <laughs> they they always, I don't remember. I think it was Saturday's game. Yeah, they they, they lost. They won that game actually. He got a hit. Yeah, and you're a hundred percent right. We can't have these guys doing what they have done. And I know they're not trying, but it's the reality of our team. And Jesus Shuttlesworth said this is probably the most frustrating season that I've ever been a part of, as he's ever been a part of. All White Sox fans feel it because it is our year of contention. This is when the window is open and it's closing quickly. It's hurt so badly that this team is here. We're now. But you could also, right. I think, and for me, I can see that it's not. Well, And, and, and it's and, not going to go further than what we've already experienced. But it and could, that hurts. It, it could if these guys started performing like we know they can. It can turn around. If Aloy comes back and performs like we know he can. If Lance Lynn comes back and we they perform like we know they can. If Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal turn it around and perform like they can. It can still happen. I just don't think it, that's a too lot. many ifs. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot of things that have to happen for this team to beat that Yankees team. That's and, the, and that's the goal. Like the Yankees are the top of the league. That's the team that you should be circling every time. When you go to the boogie down this weekend, don't be listening to Rick Hahn and saying this is just another series. They all count the same. I agree. But damn it, get up. Get yeah. up and take control. Just don't let the Yankees punk you as we talk about with anything. Confidence is a big time thing with these baseball players, with anybody. If you don't have confidence that you can win versus a team and the Yankees have taken you to the woodshed, for the most part, every time you've played them, how are you going to have confidence in the playoffs? How right. is that going to manifest itself then? You need to get a couple of wins. That's why the win on Saturday was so big that they just didn't come in and just straight punk you and win four in a row. You have a guy like Dallas Keiko go and shove and do the job and the bullpen come in and do the job for the most part. And you grab a win, a 3-2 win walking off. That felt great because we weren't going to get punked Next week, when we go to the boogie down, we need them to say, okay, the first pitcher we should have, I think, will be the same guy who pitched today, Michael Kopech. If everything's smooth, he should be the starter on Friday. And understand, hey, they did whatever they need to do to me on Sunday. Now it's my turn. I got my good stuff again today. Fuck them. Let's go. <laughs> F Nestor Cortez. You're pitching? Cool. Right. A- excellent. Well- you pitched excellent in Chicago. That time is over. And let's let's compete at the highest level and show the Yankees that we're no punk, that you can't just come in and run us over or uh, and then win games and sweep us in New York like you did last year. F that. That's got to be done. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. And going back to Abreu, uh, since the last Boston game uh, where Dallas Keuchel uh, threw a threw, threw a gem in Boston where they won three two, Jose Abreu is two of thirty one. In his last 31 plate appearances, friends, that's not oh. good. He's not making adjustments. He's not getting better. It's getting worse and worse and worse. I feel like he's pressing and spiraling. And those are two bad things to be doing. Um, I do have a couple things that I want to address comment wise. Uh, perform like we know they can is true for the basically the whole lineup. And we have not seen it come together. Just to, again, say this, I think there's been like 10 games where Abreu, uh, Robert, Anderson, Moncada, Grandal, 
uh, Vaughn, maybe I forget the other one, but that's when they've all played together. I mean, like this is not oh Jimenez. So when it's Jimenez, Abreu, Mancada, Grandal, Robert Anderson, I think those six have only played in 10 games together. I mean, not only have you not seen it come together, uh, you know, for everyone yet, just because, you know, they haven't been healthy. And I know that's an excuse right there. It's not the reason they lost today. But again, just overall, it's, it's part of the reason why it's frustrating, because here is where Jose Abreu needs to lead. Here is where Jose Abreu needs to step up. Here is where Jose Abreu needs to put his contract, you know, back it all up and everything. He needs to step up and help this team when they're injured, when they need help. He's not getting it. You know, he needs to he's he's not doing it. He's not performing. That's and that's why, you know, I, I'm at least getting on him there. But it's interesting to see when this team when these teams match back up on Friday, like you were saying, uh, seeing Kopech against that team, especially in that yard, uh, will be interesting to see. Uh, and they do have five games coming up against the Royals. I'm expecting Johnny Cueto to be on the roster uh, after today's game. And we will go through the pitching matchups between the Royals, the Sox and Royals will face off on Monday. They'll have two games on Tuesday and they will have a game on Wednesday and a game on Thursday, right? Yep. All right. So then we're going to have uh, still, uh, you know, still to be decided tomorrow versus Brad Keller. So Sox will see Brad Keller on Monday. On Tuesday, uh, the Royals are still determining their starters and the Sox are still determining theirs. And then on the 18th, you have the Sox throwing out, I think it's Vince Velasquez. And then the Royals are going to throw out Granky. So Granky on Thursday, Keller on Monday, and you will have Vince Velasquez on Thursday for the Sox. I know the Sox are trying to work in Giolito. I know the Sox are trying to work in Johnny Cueto. And I think, I think they're going to get Dylan Cease in there somewhere. What are you expecting pitching rotation wise for the Sox? I'm expecting to have Giolito go tomorrow, Monday night. It's off of the COVID list. See what he can do versus the Royals. And they need him. He's their ace. Going against Brad Keller, who is the Royals ace and a guy that gives the White Sox troubles most of the time that he takes the bump. It's a big-time game that the White Sox needed. Being uh, handed these three losses versus the New York Yankees tells them where they're at. And as Jesus Shuttlesworth said, win four or five versus the Royals. A team that's competing should not worry about that. I don't care. Home, away. I know they won the season series last year. It shouldn't matter. This should be a series where the White Sox say these guys is these guys are not us. They're not close to us and treat them like the Yankees treated you. Right. And you need these. I mean, right now you are a below 500 team in the middle of May. You just fell to 16 and 17. The Royals are 11 and 20. Royals are seven games back of the Twins. The Sox are three games back. Of the Twins, the Twins are 20 and 15. And uh, just to clean up those pitching matchups, because now I have the actual matchups. On Monday, it's still TBD. On Tuesday, it's still TBD. On Tuesday, it's still TBD. Uh, Dylan Cease will start one of the DH games, the doubleheader games. Vince Velasquez will start on Wednesday. Dallas Keiko will pitch on Thursday. So those are the three of the p- pitchers that will be used uh, in Giolito. And I'm assuming Cueto will be used in, in, in those games. I think Cueto will probably throw the doubleheader. He'll probably, like, if you're doing the correct thing, you would throw Cease in the first game so it can save your bullpen if, you know, you know, you go the opposite way when Quentin right. doesn't Cease have has, it yeah. and, and he ruins your uh, bullpen for the game. The only problem is Cease is pitching pretty quickly. Like, this is only, like, three or four and a half days of rest off of his start that he had on Thursday. So he's pitching in the morning, 11 o'clock in Kansas City. So it's a little earlier, but if anybody can do it, Dylan Cease can do it and put up some zeros versus those Kansas city Royals. I think he's got to feel confident too. After what you said early in the show. Yeah. He gave up the six earn, but 11, those some bitches said bye-bye in the innings. He was in there. Like that's, that's some filthy stuff. That's only been done by what Carlos Rodon as of like, yeah, so right. he's got to take that. Like you take it. It's encouraging. Yes. You gave up the runs, but they weren't seeing you also. I, I honestly think that Dylan Cease is going to have an electric start against the Royals. I think you'll see seven innings. I think you'll see 10 plus strikeouts and it will be fun. It will be very, very fun to do a post game show that day. We'll have post games for you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Vinny will be out in Kauffman stadium. So that should be a blast. I want to end it just with this Michael Kopech quote, and I want to get your reaction and then we'll wrap it up. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall 23. He's the CHGO white Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Uh, 
and Alexander's wondering, I thought it was 10 days minimum for the COVID list. He will be off of it um, because I don't think he's symptomatic. And I think that he also is vaccinated. So Correct. I think they have different uh, understandings. So Giolito should be able to come off the COVID list and play. That's everything that I'm getting from uh, the White Sox beat reporters and, and media uh, that, you know, Giolito shouldn't be in too much of a concern for the Royal series, but let's go to Kopech today. I didn't really have much of my stuff today. If anything asked about his velocity being down, he said, I think it could just be feeling a little bit out of sync. I don't know, to be honest with you, it wasn't there, but I made do with what I had today. What do you think of that? That's exactly what both of us said. He didn't have his stuff was what I said. And then you said right there, he doesn't know what's going on. The dead arm is in there. He doesn't know what's going on. So it doesn't seem like he feels he's injured. He would, you know, notify somebody, hey guys, this is not real. Right. It's a dead arm period. That's what he's going through right now. As a first year full time starter, this is the things you have to go through to get to the next level. That's why pitchers get paid a lot of money when their free agency hits because posting every fifth day and giving a maximum or a preferable performance are hard to do when people are trying to swing at bats at you and hit your balls deep into the night. So, yeah, this is what he's got to go through, and this is the maturation that he needs to go through. They had the dead arm, still perform versus the Yankees. Next start will be versus the Yankees. What are you going to do for that? You and might MJ's, have the dead arm still. Pitch. Yeah, I, I guess. MJ saying, I don't know what to do uh, is one of the most inspire, or, uh, uninspiring uh, quotes from a starting pitcher. I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you, is not exactly the most inspiring quote from a starting pitcher. I agree. Uh, hopefully he comes back and he's able to show that velocity. But if he doesn't, I, we're going to have to have a big, big conversation about the White Sox rotation because Johnny Cueto becomes more important. Vince Velasquez becomes more important. Dallas Keuchel becomes more important. Lance Lynn's return in early June becomes more important. If they lose Kopech and Crochet, Hmm. Rick Rickon's going to get a lot of a lot of obscenities thrown towards him by me. I'm going to be honest with you, especially if if Carlos Rodon cooks tonight against the, the 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 St. Louis Cardinals, because that that move, the more and more we get away from it, the more and more it just stings and it just doesn't feel right, Herb. But we will see how the story develops because we will be with you five days a week. We will have you covered for Monday's game. Two Tuesday's games. We'll have you covered for Wednesday's game and Thursday's game. Vinny will be out in KC, so we'll have him for those shows, and it will be a blast to cover the Sox versus the Royals. Herb, final prediction time before we're out of here. The Sox will take how many games out of five versus the Royals? Three out of five. They should take four. I think they're better than the Royals. I think they know that they're better than the Royals. And the pitching matchups pretty much line up for better results versus the Royals because you should have Giolito, you should have Cease, and Vince Velasquez hasn't pitched poorly this year. And I think that'll be decent for him. I'm excited to see what Johnny Cueto has. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Cueto has too. I think that will be the one game they lose, especially just with Velasquez, Cueto, and Keuchel all making starts in this series. I just have a feeling that four is probably a safer prediction here. Four out of the five uh, that they'll win. Uh, That'll be a little bit safer because, uh, you know, they'll have to face Daniel Lynch once. So apparently that will, uh, you know, really knock them off their ability to hit. But uh, that will be my prediction, four out of five. Uh, But that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. That's Herb Lawrence. I'm Sean Anderson. Thank you to Stephen Nicholas for your great production. And thank you to you guys for hanging out in the YouTube live chat and all the people who listen on their way into work or their way home from work. We appreciate you hanging out with Herb and I recapping the Sox 5-1 to loss to the Yankees. We'll be back all throughout the Royal Series, and we will talk to you this week. Go Sox!